Oh, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. I am your host, Kyle Pagan. We have a great show for you today. We got some Radio War stuff. We got Paul Reed getting absolutely paid. Did Daryl Morey get played on that contract? Did he not? Are you happy with the all-season? Blah, blah, blah. We'll talk about that all. We'll have Russ coming on later because we got to talk about some Radio Wars. I think that's actually what we're going to lead with. He'll be on in about 10 minutes. He says he has a hot take, but you know, a hot take for, for Russ is like a sun on a sunny day. Um, and we got more, but let's bring on Kevin Kikade to start the show and everything. Kev, how you good. doing, buddy? I don't, I don't yeah. like this new angle. I'll be honest with you. No, I'm on my laptop. Sorry, I couldn't get my uh, piece of shit desktop to start up in time uh, for the start of the show. So maybe when Russ comes on, I will drop off for a minute. I will switch to my uh, desktop. It doesn't like when I leave too many windows open and then I just let it go into like like sleep mode or whatever. It takes like 20 minutes to wake up. So maybe Kyle RAM. Scott was right. Maybe I got to get maybe I got to get a Mac. You, you need know? more RAM. That's you all I was about. Need something, yeah. computer class in grade school. RAM, yeah. RAM, yeah. RAM, RAM. The more RAM you have, the more computer you have. More RAM. Yeah, yeah. Well, I do. Here's what I do have. I have, um, I have the hers flavored by Philly contest finalists. All of them. I've got the uh, the roast pork sandwich right there. I have which one is this? Uh, tomato pie with the Corpolis Old World flavor, um, and I've got Korean barbecue, Mike's barbecue, Korean barbecue. Nice. Make make hers yours, Pagan. Um, I know you just wrote the article. You can find it at crossingbroad.com, as you know. Do you want to give people a little taste of it, or would you rather them go over and get the page views? No, we'll take the page views for sure. Um, uh, yeah, I will say that um, I will reveal one of them. I think the roast pork is the is the best. I do think the roast pork okay. is the best. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry, so I went with the worst, but uh, for the page views sake, but. They do a good job with the flavors, man, getting the flavors right. It's just like some of this stuff works on a uh, potato chip and some of it doesn't, you know? The potato mm-hmm. chip is not always the appropriate uh, – uh, what's the word? I'm going to go like a canvas or something. Like an artist has to find the right like forum in which to express their art. So maybe it's a canvas. Maybe it's a water painting. Maybe it's splashing paint on the wall or something like this. I feel like a lot of these flavors are really good. I just don't know if they all work in like a potato chip form. So I think that's something important to um, to consider. Yeah, what, when you do what would you compare the the roast pork to? Uh, impressionism, Picasso's Blue Period, like that kind of canvas, like <laughs> abstract. Like, what would you compare the roast pork you think to? Uh, impressionism, perhaps. Yeah, uh, the the Mona the Mona Lisa. They can put this in the art museum. Yeah, no, no it's funny because like I don't I don't know. Like some people like like obviously if you like tomato pie, then you're probably gonna like these. You know, but if you yeah. don't like tomato pie, then you're not you're not gonna like right. So I try to like put that aside, like what your personal preferences are, and just think like, okay, which which does which is the best on a potato potato chip, right? I just think the roast pork was was the best one by far. Do you remember the ones they did last year? Do you remember the the long? I, hot I remember the long hot one being yeah. very uh, popular. Um, yeah. and there was another one, I believe. It was like a whiz whiz wit. I think it was called. It was yeah, like a cheesesteak cheesesteak one. I, I don't know. I it's okay. Do it tasted like taste just tastes like cheese. But um, no, man, they did it. They did a good uh, good job with it. So we ranked that ranked those on the site. Threw that up there. It's been a busy morning, man. We relaunched. Uh, for people listening, you've probably seen the. You'll by the time you listen to this, you'll have seen the site. But for the people watching now, we launched a new template, a new version of Crossing Broad um, this morning on a Tuesday morning, and uh, 
It's the first, I think the first time actually, Pagan, believe it or not, that we've changed the website at all in 14 years. So. Yeah, yeah. This is the de- desktop version that Craig is uh, is showing. Yeah. I know. I think about eighty percent of our readers are on mobile. Um, mobile so if yeah. you're if you if you like it, awesome. If you hate it, don't worry. It's completely different on mobile. It's still the scalable um, stuff that you've always come to love with. Like that reverse awesome. chronological. Or, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, Kyle and I had talked about this before. Kyle Scott, the maestro, and he's like, look, you know, the company eventually, like, the company is going to make a change to the site just to try to keep it. His one wish was that like we keep it true to like the reverse scroll mm-hmm. where it's like the most recent story first and then you kind of go down one by one and that's what it looks like on mobile so we, we we made sure that that was the thing but everybody should hear this uh straight straight from me that's not a this is not a finished product either um we have some design changes that they're working on finishing up right now the font is going to look different on the home page the spacing is going to be a little different um that crossing broad green uh, color the Philadelphia street sign green whatever whatever version of green that is that's going to be more prominent on the site we're going to do some like aesthetic uh, front end kind of stuff and and freshen that up so you're not looking at a finished product right now but um, I mean so so far feedback has been good but I just wanted to give give that a shout and tell everybody what was going on there just like I-95 jobs not finished buckling company three days three days <laughs> yeah 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 three days three days to patch it up just to launch the new shit and then we'll, we'll do all the important stuff uh after the fact, you know, but yeah, they, they, we needed to clean up the back end of the website. So it's if, if you go to um, any of the other sites that are in our uh, Excel portfolio, Saturday down south, Saturday road, Saturday tradition, ESNY, we'll we'll move to it. But the you know the template have the template being the same for all the websites just make it makes it so much easier for the for the back end guys for Bob and his team for Russ and all those guys who are doing the promo codes and whatnot. It's just a little bit of inside baseball there, but it just when everything is the same, every website's the same on the back end. It just streamlines everything, makes it so much easier. But the content's not going to change, and you know, everything's good. We're going to find a spot too. And Kyle, I told you this already too, but we're going to put a spot, I think, below um, like the main articles feed or whatever, where we can feature some of the man on the street stuff. Um, So I must have not been listening during that during that meeting. I apologize. Thank you. No, no, I told you that. I told you that we we were going to do because I want like your stuff goes on the main feed right it's like hey here i am in denver with a got with a Jokic fan who counts kicked balls as like a statistic right they do so, but now we can, now we can pin that and sticky that hopefully and like have a place for those to live so you get a little bit more of a so we can highlight that and feature that stuff more we are growing folks we are changing philadelphia media landscape in the sports world is changing not just our not just our website but also Today or yesterday, excuse me, 97.5 announced that Hunter Brody, the two to six, um, th- one of the guys on the two to six, I, won't, I don't want to call him a third chair. I don't want to call him a fourth chair because I know they kind of all just uh, do their own thing. Um, Broads was was let go. And um, let's bring on Rush Joy, who who wants to talk about this as well. He dropped in. Rush, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. So yesterday, Broads gets let's go, let gets let go about 30 minutes before the uh they're set to the debut of the show oh. uh, two to six um of course every time we do a radio wars post it, it goes wild people have their opinions on everything you know should he have gone should he have not gone should a host gone should someone else have gone blah 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 all this stuff i would say this was kind of just an, a, another normal one when you wrote the post um furthermore coach camille also was let go and Explain to us, I know you had a tweet from Crossing Broad that some salespeople were let go. It, it turns out being it was like people in the sales department, I believe, and whatnot, a sales assistant, yeah. someone from XT, XTU. That's beside the point. We, 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 we said something first. 
John Kincaid called us out on it. We fixed it. You can go on Crossing Broad on the Twitter feed. And you can read all of that. What I want to talk about first is the opening to the show, Tyrone Johnson. For as good, for for as much as backlash as he's getting, and and he's never really been the apple of everybody's eye, I would say in Philadelphia. I commend him for taking responsibility, for taking on the chin, for taking on accountability. And I think he actually won some points in a shitty situation with Broads getting let go. He actually won some some, some points with some people. What do you think about that, Kevin? Then, uh, Russ, I'll let you go. Yeah, well, I mean, to set it up, right? So he came on to the best show ever yesterday, Monday at 2 p.m. and addressed the, um, the layoff right off the bat. And he talked about it for, what, like seven or eight minutes, eight to ten minutes, yeah, something like, like that. Ten minutes long, yeah. Yeah, and he didn't shy away from any of it. And part part of what he said, the part of the clip that we pulled for the website, he said, "quote Anything goes bad with the show, you absolutely can blame me. If I was more successful doing this job, then I believe Hunter would still be here. But unfortunately, part of when you're not winning is that changes end up being made. I didn't win, and then someone was going to get cut from a show with this many people. Yeah, I mean, he's speaking to the to the ratings of the last two books, where you know they've pulled something like a three ish whatever, and WIP has been like a seventeen or an eighteen. You know, in the in the male uh, twenty five to fifty four demographics, the ratings haven't been great. Um, you know, the show I guess launched August first last year, right? So it's almost been a full year. It's been 11, 11 months in a week, and um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's, it takes a lot of like honesty and like like I appreciate the candor and the forthrightness there because you know, but the the fanatic host whenever somebody gets laid off, they will talk about it, but they won't talk about it in this. That's the first time I've ever heard anybody say like this is because of me or like I know yeah. our ratings are not that good or like you can pin it on me. You know, Cuz would talk about Jamie or John Kincaid would talk about somebody else being let go. And, you know, they'd say this sucks. You know, the, bin, the, the the business is terrible. The industry is like the bean the counters. Remember the bean counters? That the was bean good. Counters. Yeah, yeah. Gargano with the bean counters. But I haven't seen anybody take that extra step that, Ty, that Tyrone took to say, like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take responsibility for this. And, you know, it's on me. Like, I'm the he's claiming also was interesting too is he's claiming like he's the de facto like leader of, of the show, you know, even though his name is not on the mm-hmm. show. Um and it was a collective, you know, group or whatever. But yeah, I mean, for him to pin it on himself and and do that, I thought, you know, was was really candid. So it was, it was I, th- I think, I think whether you like Tyrone, whether you like the show or not, I mean, you got to have some respect for the way that he he did that, you know. Zelensky in the bunker, you can go now. Hello, <laughs> hello. So, uh, listen. I, I I go back and forth so much between do I really want to flame and scorch earth these things or do I want to be level-headed about it? Just tell us how you feel. Kevin's level-headed. Tyrone needs to take the blame because it is Tyrone's fault. And it, it's part of the flawed structure of that show. It's part of why that show was destined to fail from Jump Street. So, like, let's let's kind of peel this onion back a little bit. The best show ever. We can definitively say no. We can answer the question. They can get rid of the question mark. Okay? Um, that show was a hodgepodge and it was put together kind of hastily partially because Kincaid over there went and started reporting about the show before they were ready to actually announce what it was. Broads Broads went and did his uh he has that YouTube channel. He was mm-hmm. smart. That YouTube channel was not part of his deal with the station, which was a a brilliant masterstroke by him or his representation. It was just smart. Um this show is not good. And the show really is the Tyrone Johnson show with a cast of supporting characters. And, and that, I think, is the problem. They sold that, that station and Beasley. They sold people on the notion that this was going to be a show that was going to have 
equal talking time or it was going to be a a team that's why nobody's name is on it right and what it what it turned into and admittedly it's not like i was an everyday listener but anytime i would turn it on it was tyrone's show i mean that that's the fact this would be akin to if if for some reason what the hell happened to my camera hold on if for some reason there were i don't know what I don't know why that's showing up. Fuck okay. down on someone's okay. show and you can't even get your camera in order. There we go. There we go. Yeah, I know. Hold, what oh, the nope. hell? There we, there we go. <laughs> what the hell? There we go. What is, I don't know. Whatever. Um, this is this is the problem though. Is like if the morning show on WIP for some reason fell off, right? When Angelo was still there, and say they they got handed their ass handed to them by the Fanatic Morning Show for like two ratings books in a row, and Al Morgani got fired, right? Nobody, and I mean absolutely nobody, is going to say, well, of course Cataldi should take the blame. Well, of course he should. He's the guy that's in charge. It's his, it's his name. His name's on the show. Um, but again, this is part of the misrepresentation of what this afternoon's show is. It is Tyrone's show. He does take the blame. He should take the blame. Do we give him credit for doing it? I mean, I guess, but it is the truth. The, the thing with Jamie Lynch was always weird, like what happened at, at the station there. There have been some other people who have been let go, and it's been kind of weird. And it, But like an afternoon show with a cast that has three people, including Batalico and Broads and uh, Tyrone, as well as Jen, that is not normal. I can't. I can't with this camera today. I can't. I don't know what the problem is. It keeps freezing. El gato. El gato. El gato. El gato. Senor. El gato. All right, here. Hold on. There we go. Let's see if that works. I don't know what's going on with it. Um, but that's the problem with the show. That's the problem with what they did by trying to make a morning show in the afternoon by having a cast and an ensemble. It doesn't work. It's too expensive. And ultimately, I don't even know if Broads is the guy who should have gone. But the, the show is destined to fail from from Jump Street. I just it, it it will never work. And to me, it's always been a, a matter of who's going to be the person that they get that they bring in to replace Miss and Ellie. And this was a transitional show. Are they just waiting for somebody's contract to come up? Because this, this yes. is not a drive time show. It's just not. Yeah, I, I don't listen to it. So like I, I hate I I talk I'm talking about it, but like I don't listen to the show. I don't listen to sports radio. So it's like I can't really give like an honest opinion of it because I don't I don't listen to that stuff. So from coming at attacking it from like an outside perspective is like you never want to be the guy after the guy. And Mincinelli was there for a number of years, and I think they were kind of just, hey, Tyrone, let's see if he can run with it. Let's see if he can do it. At two, Tyrone, it kind of felt like a stab in the back there by Mike Mincinelli, if you ask me. But, hey, I'm not making the business decisions over there. Um, I just, you know, it, it always felt like a stepping stone. Hey, if he if he can lead with it, great. If he can't, unfortunately, he can't. And um, and getting he can't. someone like the, the less than a year, that's, like, hard. That's hard to do. Let me make you a know, couple like, quick. Yeah, Let me make ahead. a couple quick, quick points on that. Number one, I think like historically, when you look at radio shows where uh, like a you know a respected veteran slash legendary guy leaves, like more often than not, the show that follows that person fails. Um, mm -hmm. Not necessarily through any fault of their own, but just because it's like you know you're replacing guys like Mike Missinelli or you try to replace like an Angelo Cataldi or, or something like that. Like you're climbing a steep hill. You know, I think I remember uh, Chris Carlin was one of the guys, wasn't he, Russ? He like replaced Francesca when Francesca left WFAN or something yeah. like that. Yep. That show failed. I mean, they always had an uphill battle to climb because replacing Mike was difficult, number one. Number two, the circumstances under which Mike left, that made it really, really hard, too. That was messy, you know? Yep. Um, not Lionel, but the regular messy. 
And but they also knew, I don't, I don't mean to interrupt you, Kevin, but like we, we know this. And I think the people who are watching or listening know this too. Like there have been multiple issues with Missinelli. Like they, they have known for, let's say leading up to that, they had known for at least 18 months that there was a chance they were going to move on or that like something was going to happen and they needed well, they to started building. They had, to, they start, had to start building the best show ever while Mike was still on the air, you know? Yeah, I mean, and, so, uh, so that, that you add that into it too, it makes it tough. Yeah. Yeah, like they they had no contingency in place. Look what WIP did, right? Like they knew that Angela was going to be leaving. So they started to kind of rotate in over a year, you know, different people in that in that seat mm -hmm. and figuring out who's going to take over because that's their most important show. And for the fanatic, their most important show is the afternoon. They didn't show any forethought in what they ultimately went with. Like they did, it's bungled. And like I want to be careful, but like there okay. are there there are systemic systemic issues at that station and at Beasley media when it comes to sports and how they program like where this station was where the fanatic was say 10 years ago versus where it is now is night and day like when I was in college the fanatic was the cool station to listen to mm -hmm. that was that was the the heyday of Bruno and Mays the crossover into Missinelli yeah. there, there were some excellent shows on that station it was must listen to for people you know in in my age range the fanatic was the station to listen to when you're on your way to class, listening on the, on the 97, five app. And like to see within a decade where it's gone. I mean, it's bad. Like we, we can say whatever, you know, you want to say, but like, it's not good. The weekend's not great. The day, the actual shows during the day are not particularly good or inspired. And so, you know, you've got the cuz I think the only thing that they have right now that you can plant your, your flag in is that the cuz is there and he's holding down middays. But like that's it. He's not. He's not getting help, especially with Kincaid out. And you know, you 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 hope the best for him, right? As he's recovering. But like that show isn't doing a number, and and what the cause has to transition to in the afternoon isn't doing a number either. You know, so he's. I don't know. I, I actually feel bad for him because he's he's like yeah. the one star they've got at the station right now that you can rely on. I I'm not gonna do like a you know it, funny people people do the jokes about the show name the best show ever right whatever i'll make this comparison you, you know like when when uh, the guy from the athletic came out alex mather or whatever and he said that mm -hmm. famous line like, we're gonna bleed out the newspapers and you know take all their talent or whatever you know ironic that the new york times then whole sports staff gets shoved off because of the athletic but that's neither here nor there but i i think it was it wasn't you know when you name a show the best show ever it's not it's not done in any kind of like it wasn't a, it wasn't like the athletic comment in the sense of like everything else is beneath us or whatever, but it, it didn't do them any favors. Right. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like you're kind of like setting yourself up for you're inviting these jokes about the worst show ever or, um, you know, inviting criticism. Right. I mean, that show name should have never it should have been left on the chopping block. That should have mm -hmm. never been approved. Um, I think we can unequivocally say that. And we we all said that at the beginning too. the show name is not going to work. But, you know, I mean. Mike had been um, somebody made this point earlier in the chat too. I'm, I think it was Philly fan, but Mike had been hemorrhaging uh, listenership for there it is. Yeah, Miss and I have been driving listeners away for three years. I mean, so it wasn't like this decline. It wasn't like Mike left and then best show ever came in and then the ratings tanked. I mean, the ratings were going down a long time before that. You know, you go back probably there was like eleven or twelve books in a row where Miss and Ellie and Marks and Reese were like split like five and six or six and six or six and five or something like that. And then John and Ike were winning consistently by the time that Mike left and went out. So Ty Tyrone and Hunter and Ricky 
and Jen all had to like inherit like multiple things here on the same side. I mean, Tyrone was part of Mike's show. So, I mean, is he a continuation of that? Like how much of the residual Mike, like people being annoyed at Mike, does Tyrone absorb? I mean, does he share responsibility for that? I don't know. There's just a, like a confluence, you know, of like a lot of things that were kind of standing in the way for them that, that are preventing them from being successful. You know? Can I ask you guys a question? Can this show win? Can this show be good? Can this show get advertisers? Can it be good as like, hey, listen, we're not going to beat, maybe won't ever beat uh, recent marks, but you know what? We can still have a strong second place, still get some advertisers going. Can we, as a whole, you know, even with the cousin with the show in the morning, can we as a whole be a second place station, you know, Obviously, you got six ABC. I look at it. NBC 10, second place. CBS 3, second place sometimes. But they can still get their advertisers and everything because people are loyal to those two stations. Can can Philadelphia be a two sports radio station kind of play, kind of city? Whoever they did things the, if they did things the right way, but they don't. So, like, Kevin, are you are you comfortable with pulling back the curtain on a couple of years ago? I, I'm yeah. Yeah, I six one zero days. Tell that story. Yeah, yeah the, the 610 yeah. ESPN days. Yeah. So, so tell people who are probably new to the show, like I'm just, I'll, I'll lead it up. We were on 610 ESPN on the AM dial weekdays, weekends. What was it? It was, it was weekday. It was uh, Mondays, right, Kev? I think it was Mondays. Yeah. We went in for a couple of Mondays. Look, I mean, the, the backstory, the beginning of the story is that Kyle and Joe Bell at Beasley had like a pretty good relationship and Joe Bell was a crossing broad reader. And so they had talks about maybe working together on something. And uh, by the time that finally came together with the new staff, with you and me and Bob and everybody, Kyle was kind of out on it, to be quite honest. Like we had a meeting with uh, Eric Johnson and Joe Bell and Coach Camille and talk about us doing a show for them or something on 610. And Joe was into it. Kyle was kind of out on it because by that time he was focused on other things. You know, gambling was just around the corner or whatever. So we ended up with this kind of half-assed, like you and me and Bob and Anthony will go over to bala and do a show on 610 like you know once a once a week for a couple months and then eventually i think they, they ended up what just cutting 610 well, it was so yeah it was from it was from i think october of 19 until just before covid yeah so it was like march of march of march of yeah. 20 yeah so we were we were there it started with bob and anthony doing crossed up it then transitioned into me and anthony doing snow the goalie right and then we had as the second hour that we were doing on 610 it was crossing broadcast it was me you anthony bob oh right right yeah and what was interesting about it was when we had that first meeting with the folks at beasley part of the problem was they wanted to use our content for the crossing broad content on the 97.5 site and then that yeah. got met with some resistance by some of the folks at 97.5 they weren't yeah. thrilled with the concept yeah. even though they listened to the the shows and they watched the and and they would you know read the site and everything. They wanted to act like everything was beneath them. I was fine. Well, and the, and the thing to one point to underline with that is that we our staff was relatively new. Like I didn't have any history with those guys. You didn't have any history with those guys. Some of those guys obviously didn't like Kyle, and they didn't like Radio Wars and all that residual shit. And then you and me and Bob and Anthony just kind of absorbed that because we decided to link up with with Kyle. And you know you take the you absorb the reputational you know feeling with all that. Yeah, but so so here's here to Kyle to kind of put this a little bow on this. We laid out a plan for them in 2019 of you have this 610 ESPN station that we could populate with content. What? Put the damn chips yeah. down. Oh, we can hear funny. it in the mic. Like we we laid out a plan for them in 2019 
you have this 610 channel, you should be trying to cultivate a almost like a feeder system, right? Almost like a minor league system. Get reps on a station that you're not really tracking the ratings for. They were collecting a stipend monthly for doing a, you know ESPN programming in the Philadelphia market. And we said, this is what we're going to do. Like, we'll do these shows. We'll get our reps. We'll get used to taking callers. And they're like, nobody's going to call 610 ESPN. And then they did. Um, and we said, this is, this is how you do it. And this is how you make new shows. And this is how you make engaging shows. At that meeting, I brought up using Twitch. I brought up using live streaming on YouTube and on Periscope and like the works, right? Now they're doing some of that stuff, which is great. But like we laid this out for them in 2019. We went to 610. We did our shows. Nobody gave a shit about 610 ESPN, right? Nobody. In fact, we were the only people, to my knowledge, that got paid by Beasley to be on 610. Most of the shows that existed on that station were either syndicated ESPN programming or people who paid for their time on the air. We were the opposite. We actually got paid to be on. And I say all of this because in the case of like Crossing Broadcast, they could have rebranded that. That could have been a good show in, in any iteration. The one that was crazy to me was Snow the Goalie, which is now... Is some bias in there? No, it, it it's the truth because it's... The t- it's the station that uh, the flagship station of the team. They had a hockey show that was right there that has like since boomed and blossomed beyond what even I thought it was going to be and like has captured attention. And there's like a whole other radio story with that show. But they had that. They had people that were in-house that could have done stuff. You tell me that Kincaid or me or Bob or Anthony or some combination couldn't be better than some of what they have on the weekend. Like, say, tell me with a straight face, like, by all means. But that's but, a bigger, that's a symptom of a bigger problem where, like, some people were listening in the chat. Think of all the people, like, when you when you were in college or whatever, and I had just come back to Philly and I was working at Eyewitness News, the lineup that the Fanatic had. Miss Sinelli was a juggernaut back then. You had Bruno and Mays. You had Mike and Mike in the morning. But you had guys at night like Dan Schwartzman, Tom, Tom Byrne before he punched the cabbie in the face. Um, Do you know who I am? Nick, Nick, the, uh... Nick, Nick Kale, Vian, Vian Gonzo were there for a while. Um, the crossover with Bruno and Mikey Miss was amazing. Radio every single time. And then they went back to Tony uh, at night with in, into the night, right? When he was still out on the West Coast with Robin. And they had this, they had this, li- these lineups at the time that were just like, like funny, informative, like veterans, like people who knew sports. You go from like Mike and Mike. To what it would would it be? Would it was a uh, brace and marks and brace were the yeah. first one. Yeah, and sure. yeah, Sean and John. Look at what look at what they're doing right now. You know, they're both doing PM drive at two different stations. So I mean, you had like all this talent, and you know, I, I think it's tougher. I don't want to make some blanket statement about like you know young guys and whatever because you have examples of guys like Jamie, who we all know and are would consider a friend, who came through uh, radio from the bottom up to be where he is. Um, but some of these other guys are like fresh, fresh out of, you know, temple or whatever. And you ask yourself, it's like, do people like respond to that? Does that resonate with anybody? Do you need to, did you need to be in a locker room? Did you need to be like a journalist? Like, do, do people respect that sports knowledge? Yeah, I don't know. I think that's like a, an individual determination that each listener has to make. But we're a far cry from the days. Re- you know what I'm getting at, Ross, where it's like, yeah, the Sinelli was a journalist. Gargano was a journalist, you know. 
Angelo is a journalist. He's got a fucking master's degree from Columbia, for Christ's sake. Yep. You know, so it's like these guys were in locker rooms and they were doing real journalism. They're writing for the newspaper. So they brought this knowledge and this credibility over with them when they started radio. And I don't know if people really, really believe that so much with some of the some of the younger guys, you know. But with now today's technology and stuff with information, you can get information from anywhere. Anyone can read a baseball reference page. Anyone can read NBA.com and get the analytics on Paul Reed and his offensive rebounding. Yeah. Like, I just think it's kind of something that they need somebody who can can do that. And you know what? Here's another thing, you know, podcasts and stuff. Now people can just go and create their own platforms. They don't need sports radio anymore to be big in Philadelphia. So they'll do that. They'll take all the money. They'll take the advertising revenue. They'll take the Patreon revenue. They'll take the YouTube revenue, all that stuff. That's why, I, I, honestly, I'm shocked Broads ever went over to 97.5. Shocked, I guess. Well, he's he, got. He, a, he's, he's like YouTube. He's like YouTube. YouTube like, subscribers are, are, are fantastic. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know, a little, little a little peek behind the curtain. When I was getting pitched to come to Crossing Broad, it was an originally a package between me and Bros. It was it was going to be the I guess Pagan and Bro Show, whatever we we're going to call it, and everything. Kyle ran into some things with uh, with with Bros. Agent didn't really love the negotiating tactics, obviously. And I think we kind of leveraged him for ninety seven five. He goes to ninety seven five. The rest is history. Blah blah blah. But yeah, that was at one point he was going to come over and be in the more digital sphere. With we did have team, we did have meetings. Hard. Yeah, we had meetings yeah, with we hard at the same time and with his agent and, and his agent Josh. Yeah, yeah. And I just thought when 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 Broads with the nine seven five, I was I was honestly shocked, shocked. I mean, because if I I don't know how you couldn't monetize his legit following. Like I think people on Twitter, people that really aren't on YouTube, people that are more on terrestrial radio or listen to podcasts, aren't fans of Broads. But Broads has an amazing amazing follow, following on other platforms. And yeah. off the top of my head, he's one of the first main sports. Philadelphia content creators that I remember looking towards being like, holy shit, that guy built something. Can I make a comparison that probably Russ and only Russ and like a couple of people in the chat will get when Brendan Aaron, Brendan Aronson went from the Philadelphia union to Austria and then he went straight to the premier league. Right. Mm -hmm. um, didn't work out for him in the premier league. So he takes a step back to the Bundesliga. That was probably the path he should have been on the entire time. Hunter's path is actually similar. If you think about it, cause he went from 97, three ESPN, he was with Gill to doing weekends mm -hmm. at a fanatic and they went right to PM drive. And that's like unheard of, man. I'd never heard of anybody going straight from weekends to, to PM drive, let alone replace with Mike Missanelli. I mean, to me, that's the funny thing because it suggested to me that they really believed in him and they really thought that he was a piece for the future, you know? So for them to put that together and then it doesn't last a year before they let him go, you know, it's like, it's more, it's really a um, indictment on, you know, Beasley is the Phillies farm system. They, but, they but also, have, that's what I'm saying though, Kyle, is that's, that's the maddening thing about it to look at a few years ago and that they had a, a they, they had the one thing that WIP did not have. They had another channel with the ability to take calls, to program with sports, to get reps, sure to test and they didn't they got complacent and that's the story of beasley media in philadelphia right now when it comes to sports it's complacency it's retreads and it's lack of creativity there is no there there is no discernible well, vision right now there, there's no I, I hear i hear you on that one but you could also say philly sports radio is incestual and look right at wip who's murdering people in the ratings i mean to camera 97.5 guy comes over to wip marks 97.5 guy comes over to WIP. Uh, all they yeah, do they is poached, just the same. They poached, they poached some of the better hosts. They, they did, but they also do the same model where it's advantageous positions. Football player. Yeah. Well, and it, and it's worked. It's working. Not saying that it's it, working. Not saying that it should work, but 
it has worked. Like WIP has the Eagles rights. Mm -hmm. WIP has the Phillies rights. Okay. Fanatics always going to be second fiddle. Even if the Sixers are the best fucking team in town and the Flyers turn this rebuild around and Mishkov comes over here and he's the next, the next coming of Connor McDavid, you know I mean? So always going to be behind the eight ball on that. So my question for you two is what, what is your, if you're running the fanatic, what is your strategy? Do you just do everything that WIP is not doing and say, hey, you can call in and talk about hockey. You can call in and talk about the union. You can call in and talk about Lionel Messi. Or do they try to talk you try, they try to talk Eagles and they try to talk Phillies, not have those radio rights, not be in the flagship, knowing that they don't have those resources and they're not going to pull the same interviews that WIP gets I me. Mean, you know what I mean? It's like, what what direction do you go in? Russ, I'll take mine first. I know your, your, uh, your answer is going to be winded. Um, I would just... I would attack the younger generation. I would attack it so hard. I'd go digital all the way. I'd be on Instagram reels all the time. I'd be on TikTok all the time. I'd be, they did a great job with YouTube and Twitch. I would continue with YouTube and Twitch. Now you can't even get the simulcast feed from when I was watching Gargano in the summertime. Like Gargano just has like the template on it. It doesn't even have his live feed anymore. I don't know if that was a Beasley decision or that was his decision, blah, blah, blah. I think you attack digital and you attack the younger generation because I think a lot of WIP's uh, listenership is old. They will die out. Um, and that's that's what I would do. I would go. I would. I would dive right into digital and build. Per, I would get personalities. Oh. I, I'm sorry. I mean, I just like love love the Tunis, love Jamie. They're great at their jobs, but like I, I watch their Instagram reels, and I'm just like next. Like it's just get John. Get, be funnier. Be more engaging. I don't know. Now I'm just talking myself into a circle. Russ, what do you think? They should they should be using the weekend as their testing ground because their weekend ratings don't matter. They should be going and trying to get as many talking heads, as many social media personalities, people who have podcasts that are successful, and they should be testing them out on on the air. They're not unionized, right? So it's not SAG after whatever that uh, the WIP has. They yeah. could pay a flat rate for these different people to come on air. They can track the ratings. They can track the engagement. They can track the callers. It's really simple. Here's This is the biggest fallacy, okay, in Philadelphia sports media. The shit isn't hard. Talking about sports is not hard, okay? There, there's this, like, belief that, oh, it's, it's so difficult in the drolls of the summer to make programming. Sure, if you want it to be the way that it's always been done, then yes, it will be a slog, okay? But talking about sports, having an opinion, engaging with callers if that's what you want to do, is not a difficult job. You're not building a skyscraper, you know, 30 stories up. You're not putting your life on the line. It's not this like horribly complicated job, but management needs to do a better job. And like, again, the weekends are the place. That should be their testing ground. And then they should be kind of building toward kind of like what WIP did, build some of these people, slide them into positions when you know they're gonna be ready, probably move Gargano back to afternoons and then make that midday your testing ground. That's what they should do. I mean, without a doubt, that that to me is the winning thing. That entire afternoon show should be fired off into the sun and then put Gargano back in the afternoon so he'll at least put up a somewhat competitive rating in the afternoon, all things considered. He won't have a good lead in whatever ends up taking that midday spot. But that's where you do it. And you kind of go back to what Kevin had mentioned before when you had like the Marks and Brace show that led into Mays and Bruno, Bruno and Mays, right? And then into Miss Anelli. Maybe even split up the midday spot. Maybe you don't need to do as long of it. It's it's a four-hour window that Gargano does now, I think. Go yeah. back to two and two. Put Gargano in the afternoons, then do a two-hour block and a two-hour block. You have nothing to lose. There's nothing 
there is nothing that's going to substantially hurt the bottom line versus what you're doing now. Like, I don't think I don't think this is very complicated. You look at the comments on this, and I'm sure that like engagement on this show after it hits the podcast feed is going to be the same thing. This isn't hard. It's just management has to actually be willing to take risks and to try things because this like complacent bullshit they've done has driven that station into the ground. This isn't hard. It's that it's right there. It it's it's so freaking easy to see this is how you fix it. Well, look or at this what is at w- least how you try to fix it. Look at how WIP came out on top in the swap. I mean, like all of the guys who went from WIP to Fanatic or Fanatic to WIP. Joe DeCamera was doing nights solo at the mm-hmm. Fanatic and was like the assistant program director. He ended up replacing Angelo. James Seltzer rising star in the business not in beer chugging but at least in the other stuff right um john marks from 97.5 now doing pm driving crushing the fanatic i mean you got to give a lot of credit to spike for having the the wherewithal to to seeing this shit knowing that these guys are like gonna be something in this industry what did fanatic get out of all those swaps they got cuz cuz is the only one who's, who's left right you know i mean mark was let go rob uh, left and went went back to WIP, you know. So all all the the great swap of several years ago. I mean, like WIP came out came out on top in that by far, by far, you know. Do, do people want to? Do people my age come? Well, not my. I guess I'm 30 now. People coming out of college now. Do they want to do sports radio? Do they care about sports radio? There's like, well, this I would say that there's like legions of kids coming out of Temple who are like Philly sports nuts. And you know, like, would love to fucking do it. Yeah, I want to go on the radio. So you just got to find you basically. You Beasley has to do their job and they have to find them. They have to have their ear, they're at the nose, of the ear into the ground and be like, hey, listen, this person's good. This person's good. You know, maybe you have to yeah. listen to shitty podcasts for, you know, every 30 shitty podcasts, you find one diamond in the rough. But like, isn't like, isn't Broads the template for it though? Because it's like, you know, yeah. you, anybody can put them, anybody can get a friggin' Yeti microphone and get a YouTube show like this one and can say whatever the fuck they want to say and can put it, put it on Twitter and social media. What I mean, like, <laughs> There should be a fertile ground of, of which to pull. I mean, like, I'm on I'm on 975's Twitter right now. It is so fucking bad. Yeah, I, he, and here's the other thing too, and Russ can attest to this, but it's like just because the fanatic is kind of in the dumps right now doesn't mean that Beasley necessarily is. Yeah, they keep cutting fat, and well, not fat, but I mean like they keep making these cuts. They keep cutting money. They had to they had to cut. When I say fat, I mean they had to cut a million dollars, is what I was told. So they're they're trying to trim around the edges. Some of the other jobs that they got rid of behind the scenes were I was looking at the descriptions. I'm like, all right, I, I can understand that. That makes sense, you know. But I mean, they're still they're still paying a shit ton of money to Preston and Steve and some of these other people, these other properties, just because the fanatic is not what it is, doesn't mean that like MMR is still a powerhouse. You know, XTU does very well in this market. Apparently, we got a lot of a lot of country music fans in this market. Um you know, and so they're they're like they they do well across the portfolio in Philadelphia. The fanatic just happens to be one of the weaker per- performing ones right now. So, um, you know, I guess the Bella is retiring too uh, soon. Yeah. They still got Pierre Robert. Uh, you know, I mean, MM, MMR does okay. I mean, they laid off Jackson a couple months ago, but yeah. I mean, just because just because. I think people need to separate Beasley from the fanatic a little bit. The fanatic's kind of in the doldrums of whatever they're in, but like Beasley, you know, like MMR still does well. XTU. It's just an embarrassment. I think the, 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 the fact is it's an embarrassment right now. What they've done to the sports station is an embarrassment. And again, it's, it's a lot of complacency. And I know that coach Camille is the one that, you know, they let go. I, I have no love loss for coach Camille because going back to the days that we did our shows with six ten. 
we followed up. We kept following up with Joe Bell. We kept following up with Camille. And because I think that's around when Eric Johnson got let go. And we said, these are the shows. We're getting calls. We're getting engagement. Coach Camille could not be bothered to listen. Complacency. Complacency is a killer. That's where yeah. we're at. I mean, that's it's that's just where we're at. And by the way, it shows well, you we how tone are 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 I don't know. Like uh, it's it's a pipe beating. Train. No, like, I mean, like, no, but they're not they're not beating anything. Like, what are we talking about? But I'm just like uh, we don't we don't know what would have happened in, in the future. I mean, I wasn't there, but like I mean, I know you're getting calls and everything. But like, should you have been the the the, the noon guy? Should you have been the two to six guy? Like, that's I don't. No, is that we're what talking you're about like, we're talking about doing it as you know, doing some weekend programming. See if you build up a you know a significant enough following, and then at some point you put yourself in the pipeline to potentially get a shot. It was weird timing. I don't think anybody's heart was really in it when this happened because it happened like probably two years later, you know, because we were interested and we were like, yeah, we'll do something with them, you know, and the Kyle had kind of moved on by that. I mean, he showed up to the meeting like 15 minutes late. So well, that's, <laughs> just, like, that's, that's fashionably late. That's how that's you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm sitting there. We're sitting there like we're sitting there vamping with Joe Bell and be like, yeah, I think he's going to show up soon. But his, his heart wasn't in it. And I don't know if their hearts were in it either. And so we were just like, all right, what are we all doing here? You well, know? his heart wasn't in it because at that point they had already kind of killed off the idea of syndicating what we were writing on the site. That yeah, was why. And, and that was, was that was right before because we that remember that was like a three or four month window trying to set a, a date. Well, and look, and I mean, Kyle, became, Kyle they were going to have their in-house people do the content. Yeah, which was Kyle's a millionaire good. sitting on the probably sitting on the beach right now. So I mean, he he always had the foresight of knowing like, okay, I think this is going to work and this is not going to work, you know. But it was just a little weird for us to come in at that time because we're like. Uh, are you guys in, into this or, or not? Like the people above us were just kind of wishy-washy on it. So I'm like, okay, okay well, you know, whatever. But, you know, here we are. Anyway, we just laid out, we just, we just laid out, this is, we just laid out how to fix the fanatic or at least how to yeah, make it we less had, shake. You had two different, two different uh, solutions. No, I think that. we're, I, no, I think you and I are kind of similar. You think that they should go out and get personalities and they should, they should go younger. I agree. I think they should use the weekends. I, I that's, Take your idea of getting younger talking heads, people with successful podcasts, all that. Pay them a flat rate, which they can do, that WIP can't. Do that on the weekend. Track engagement. Track engagement on social. Let all those people you know, cut up their own clips. Let them do the hustle. Hustle for a job. And let them have a spot. If they earn it, they have a spot. And if not, they, they rotate in and out. But like the idea that, there we go. But the idea, see, my camera doesn't like me today. Right, like my camera disagrees. What is El like, Gato anyway? What is that? What that's is the name. That's the brand of the. That's the band, The brand of the camera. It's because I have too many things loaded up. I was editing a Snow the Goalie. I was writing stuff. I'm doing this, but Jack uh, of all trades, master of none. I know. Yeah, that's exactly right. But that's why you know, like, the idea that people want to listen to D line them on the weekend. I would love to see those ratings. Would love. To. Well, here's here's the thing. I, I think the problem. If I was philosophically, what I would do is I would say we're going to do everything that WIP doesn't do. Sure, we're going to talk about the Eagles, and yeah, we're going to talk about the Phillies, but embrace the Sixers, embrace the slop of the NBA free agency. You got hockey fans who want to want an outlet. You know, take hockey calls, take soccer calls, take if you want to talk mixed martial arts, fine. If you want to talk golf, the problem is that I don't think there's enough hosts who can do that. You know, it's like how, how many people are really experts beyond like two or three sports? Nobody is really an expert, even at four, you know? So it's like, you know, you're spreading yourself thin there. Everybody's kind of got like their sport that they're good at. Devon's a basketball guy. D is a basketball woman. You know, it's like how, how, how much do certain people know about these other sports? We, even, we asked this about Ricky Bowe when he came on. You know, is Ricky Bowe going to be able to talk Eagles? Uh, you know, so I think you got to look like for generalists and kind of, 
look for stuff that can canvas the whole scene because you know you're you're up against a juggernaut in WIP that has the radio rights for the two biggest teams in town. You know. Yeah, but if if, if someone if someone was good, someone was good. I mean, it, the the cream always rises to the top. If you're good, people aren't going to be like, "Well, he's on ninety seven five. They don't have the Eagles rights. I'm not going to go listen to him." You just got to be good. You got to be good at what you do. No, I know you're right, man. Sometimes it's as simple as that, dude. I mean, like, how many times have you talked to somebody in this market and you ask them, or you're talking to them about the news or whatever? People say, like, we watch Jim Gardner, you know? Yeah. They don't even know what the fuck. They don't even know if it's channel three, six, or 10. They're like, yeah, we watch Yuki Washington. What channel is he on? They don't know that it's eyewitness news or action news or whatever. Like, they just they see somebody that they like, a ta- talent that they like. And it's just as simple as it is, you know? So I think sometimes it's, it's like, um, you know, the simplest explanation, what is it? Occam's razor or something like that. Sometimes you just take things at surface surface at face value. And and that's the explanation. You know, like you got people in this market who like listen to Mike for 20 some years just because they like Mike, you know, listen to him at WIP, listen to him at the fanatic. So, you know, because. it probably would help them to do some team specific times. Like that could even be the weekend thing. Team specific shows yeah. that, you know, every week. And that was like, again, that was part of our pitch. You know that every Saturday at 9 a.m., you're going to wake up to a show that's going to talk specifically Sixers for an hour. Then 10 to 11, you're going to listen to a show that's going to talk Flyers. So you at least know that if you want to talk about your sport and your sport hasn't been talked about on the air that week, that's where you go. And that's when you know to tune in. Not complicated. Philly fans got a good question, actually. It says, how much do the Eagles' rights matter if Merrill no longer does them? Well, it, it's it's more than just that, just the broadcasting rights, you know, because you get, like, you're the flagship station of, of the of the team, you know, so you get the exclusive with uh, fucking Zach. You get to go down to the OD for Jason Kelsey's Eagles Autism event. You get to You get to play flip yeah. cup against Dallas Goddard. You get to like set up the broadcast, the Coropolis tomato pie broadcast booth Corpolis? at Lincoln Financial. Yeah, you literally just said Corpolis earlier on the Cor- podcast. Corpolis. Dude, dude, Corpolis. You just sounded like Pagan trying to pronounce like not, a name I not Brad Miller. Right you know? I said it the right Supposedly, way. Um, let's get it back to things that yeah, really I mean, matter. It's about yeah. being connected to, you know what I'm saying? It's not like, yeah. it's what, it's all this stuff that comes with it. You know, yeah. let's get it back to things that actually matter. Is Scooby-Doo a superhero? 610-632-0975. Russ, is Scooby-Doo because he can talk and because he, he solves mysteries? Is he a superhero? Well, he's a dog, right? And he, he talks. Is. He does so and he helps people solve mysteries so he if he's a dog and he talks and he helps people solve mysteries makes him a superhero he's more of a superhero than batman that's my hot take what batman is nothing without lucius fox lucius fox builds all his gadgets he's a trust fund baby at the end of the day if he doesn't have his gadgets built by lucius fox Scooby-Doo does it with a guy who's tripping on acid 24-7, 365, who lives out of a van and is always hungry. Um, Scooby-Doo is more of a superhero than I would say Batman was. You take away Shaggy from Scooby, he's still Scooby. You take away Lucius Fox from Batman, he's a trust fund kid going to fight crime, probably dying day one. I don't like how you're framing this. This this feels speciesist of you. No, I, I think we're both mammals. Kev, yeah, but you, Scooby-Doo is a superhero. I think you got to draw a distinction between superhero and superpowers a little bit here, right? Because some of the Avengers have like really shitty like powers, right? I mean, the Hawkeye. guy, the guy with the bow and arrow, yeah, with Hawkeye, Hawkeye. Is that what his name yeah. is? Mm-hmm. 
that's not even really, you know, he's probably the lamest of them, right? And what is um, what was Scarlett Johansson's? Was she like Black Widow or something? Black Widow? What's her power? Does she, she have powers? I mean, like, it's funny because the one guy is shooting like arrows that explode or whatever. And then you have um, uh, Captain Marvel, right? The chick who Captain, flies. Yeah, through, yeah, yeah. yeah. She just Free flies Marshall. through. Yeah. Spoilers. She just flies through Thanos's like ship and blows it up. I'm like, mm-hmm. fuck. <laughs> I never, saw, I never saw, I saw, I never saw an Avengers before. Yeah. So, 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 um, so you can have superpowers or you can be a superhero. I mean, that too can be, can be intertwined, but I don't, I think that Scooby-Doo can be a, a superhero, but he doesn't have superpowers. But no, but when you, when you're asked the question, like, Hey, what superpower would you love? You know, flying, time travel, being anywhere at any time, you know, shrinking. When you ask a dog like Scooby-Doo, what he would love to have superpowers, it could be flying. It could be shrinking. It could be time travel. And then he could also be talking. So is talking technically zero power for a dog? I think it is. I think it is. Should we move on to Debo Samuel? <laughs> Debo Scott. Samuel headline on Crossing Broad is soft as baby shit. Written by one Kevin Kincaid. Crossingbroad.com. Zach Gelb, love the guy. Temple Tough. He asked Temple Tough questions. Um, what did you think of the whole Debo Samuel giving Zach Gelb five minutes when he was dedicated to 15, having the PR lady get on the phone to cancel the interview after Debo was asked about the Eagles and what he thought about his comments. He didn't want to talk about them and what he thought the Eagles would do or the Eagles fans would boom in week 13. Russ, do you have any thoughts on this? Go to Kevin first since he wrote it. All right, Kevin, go ahead. Sorry, I was making a ghost face killer comment in the comments. Well, how much um, you pay attention between the chips and now you're interacting with the commenters? It just it's I'm just vibing today. Just don't don't like um You're Aaron Knoll in the sixth inning right now. You had a great first three to four, and now in the sixth inning it's all falling apart. <laughs> I guess I should have went back and tried to find the first five minutes of the interview. I just think it's funny because because Debo Samuel says, I don't know if that's old, and I said what I said. But, but I mean, Zach moves on. So he he asks him like, OK, well, what do you think about the game coming up this year? You know, uh, and he says, quote, what happens this year when you play Philly on December 3rd? So he's he's moving it forward. He's moving the interview for it's not it's not. That's why I made the point in the story. I was like, this is not have uh, um, Mike Florio asking Howie Roseman the same question over and over and over again. This is not me standing next to Jeff Skaversky 10 years ago in the Phillies locker room. When he asked Jonathan Pavelbon seven seven times in a row if he thought he was going to be traded at the deadline, you know, like Zach kind of moves it forward, you know. But Debo is like, you know, you harp on this stuff month after month after month. Somebody asks you about it, you say you don't want to talk about it anymore. They start to advance the topic, and then you just hang up. It's like and get the PR flack out of here. Get the crony off the line, like you know. I I, I agree. I agree to a sense that like. The first question he asked him was about that viral video that went uh, viral, the uh, about him running on the treadmill earlier. And he was like, hey, have you ran any faster on the treadmill before? Blah, blah, blah. They talked about that and everything. And then he went into the Eagles questions and stuff. And I, and Tory, Tory Smith came out and was just like, ask better questions. It's like, we're, we're in which July 10th. We're in the dog days of summer. The it's NFL doesn't start for another two weeks. We're all looking for things to talk about. What's the one thing that everyone remembers from Debo Samuel since the NFC Championship game? Him saying that they'd beat the Eagles by double digits if their quarterback would have stayed healthy. Like, that's the only thing. Debo Samuel hasn't done anything. He hasn't requested a trade. He hasn't done anything. He hasn't. It's it just, it, that's the only thing I would want to talk about Debo Samuel right now with, except for, 
you know, his viral video where how much can you talk about a guy running on a treadmill for for more than two minutes? Well, he kept, uh, Debo was the one who kept talking about it month after month after month after month. So, I mean, uh, you know, the assumption in, in Zach's case is that oh, it's still on this guy's mind. I mean, how's he supposed to know the guy? Oh, now I'm ready to not talk about it anymore. You know, yeah. so I mean, what are we just like fumbling around for this imaginary like line where it's like, oh, he's going to talk about it up until May. But now he's turned the yeah. corner in July. Well, who the fuck knew that? A new you person know? now. Yeah, I mean, he's like he's been complaining. Called James Bradbury trash. I don't know. Debo is one of those dudes who was like, I just loved watching him play. You know, now I think he's kind of addicted. You know, yep. so. I think you saw. I I think that's a that's a very soft team. I think that Forty Nine is a very Reddick, soft. I hope Hassan Reddick drives him like into the the upper crust of the earth when they play again. I, I hope I hope everybody stays healthy in that game. I hope Brock Purdy's on there. I hope Brock Purdy stays healthy the whole, whole game. And the Eagles just absolutely fucking annihilate the 49ers just so we never have to hear about that that game ever again. You know, yeah. the funny that. part is Debo getting stripped by Reed Blankenship in that game, too. Like, he, that's what he should have followed up with. OK, you know, what would you have done differently? Would you carry the ball better when Reed Blankenship absolutely annihilated you in the backfield? Well, Ross, it's funny. Anything people, you want to people, people, real quick, people were up my ass because I was like arguing about the the field. We were talking about the sod father and the turf, uh, the the report that like the, the NFL told him they had the wrong cleats on or something like that. And people are like, well, you got to get over it. It's like it's a Super Bowl, man. Tell people to get over the Super Bowl. Then, like week two against the Falcons on Thursday. Like you're telling people, yeah, it's going to take Eagles fans a little while to get over the fucking Super Bowl that they lost by three points when they blew a ten point lead in the second half. But anybody who was following any of that, like on Twitter, radio, any kind of media, anybody who absorbed any kind of NFL talk during that time, knows for a fact that 49ers fans and players bitched and moaned in ten times more about the NFC Championship game than Eagles fans bitched about the Super Bowl. Most of the bitching that was done about the Super Bowl was about Jonathan Gannon. It wasn't even, it had, it had nothing to do with the Chiefs, you know? We had to put a moratorium on 49ers stories because they were just too much. We, we just couldn't write more, any more about 49ers. We did. Stories. We did. We stopped. We came on this program. I said something on Twitter. I said, we're not going to do any more 49ers fans fucking whining and complain because we beat that to death, man. There wasn't anything else to do with it. You know, they bitched about that a lot more than Eagles fans bitched about the Super Bowl. Most of the bitching was directed inward. Anything to add, Russ? Debo's a I win. One more topic. Eagles win. No, so Debo's, um, Debo's a win. This is the like yeah. this is the problem with like the pacified modern athlete, right? They want to talk. They said stupid shit. Debo said stupid shit. It's it's kind of pathetic to say that your third string quarterback was going to lead the 49ers to an annihilation win over the Eagles. And he probably had somebody tell him at some point, dude, you sound like a whiny bitch. Like, you really need to stop. And so he tried, but you can't backtrack because you opened your dumb mouth in the first place and you started, like, spewing this kind of crap. So, like, of course it's going to happen, you know? We're, we're not going back to superhero talk, Coggin. No, I just want right. to get that one in there, though. Yeah. Uh, one more thing before we uh, – we got about four minutes. We can go a little bit over. Paul Reed gets paid. Paul Reed gets paid. Is this uh, he gets paid twenty three million dollars? It's all guaranteed if the if the Sixers make the playoffs for the first year. He can also veto a trade in the first year. Then the next two years, it's guaranteed if your Philadelphia Sixers run with us, make the Eastern Conference Finals. So I guess we can guarantee that Paul Reed's contract won't be guaranteed over the next two years. Um, the people that constructed this, the 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 Jazz GM. And Danny Ainge, um, the Jazz GM used this same 
principal in this contract when he was the agent for Omer Ashik when when Daryl Morey was at the Rockets. Now he's mm-hmm. the GM of the Jazz. And 10 years, 11 years later, he's using the same thing. Kev, you might have a better uh, uh, hand on this. Did Daryl kind of get fleeced by Danny Ainge and this Jazz GM making them go into the luxury tax? Or is this just a really tradable contract and we shouldn't really care about it because it's a backup center? Well, I think there was probably some some forces at play here uh, where I think a large portion of the fan base was very much against the idea that they were just going to lose another young player uh, for nothing. You know, like it's a guy that was developed here that was drafted by the Sixers and, you know, they were going to lump him in the, the loss of Paul Reed for nothing to the to the same put it in the same categories like Isaiah Joe. Maybe Matisse Thibel, considering how that worked out. Go back to Landry Shamit, you know. I mean, like guys like Charles Bassey, right? So it, was, it would have just been another in a long line of guys who kind of left here for for nothing. If the Sixers kind of just let them let them go, you know. And so I think Daryl was probably you know aware of that, you know, for sure, and said, you know, we don't want to we don't want to lose him if we don't have to. That's the optics side of it for sure. But I mean, he is arguably the best backup center that they've had. Embiid over like the 20 some guys that they've had here. I guess Dwight, I guess that one year of Dwight was probably the best. We did argue that half season of Andre Drummond was good too. Drummond of Drummond, yeah. But Reed, but Reed's still got a lot of upside too. You know, so you're you're walking the balance of like veterans win you games and and you know, superstars win you games when it when it matters, versus like you we don't want to be that team that just gets rid of all these young dudes and has a bunch of old dudes running around, you know. But that also matches up like with your timeline. If you're rebuilding, if you're if you're a team like uh the Trailblazers, yes, you can afford to pay Matisse Thibel what you paid him. You know, if you're the Raptors, you can pay Jalen McDaniels what you paid him. But the Sixers, you know, try uh, they're top heavy, you know, so they lose they lose uh value in the margins. And Daryl Morey made sure that didn't happen this time. But is it was it the best decision based on the money? I don't know. Zelensky. I've never, I, I cannot remember a time in my life that I've gone from as fanatical of a follower of a team to not giving a shit like I have with the Sixers. Like there, there needs to be an open inquiry. There needs to be an investigation. There needs to be a Spanish inquisition into what happened with this organization, with all of the assets they had from the Sam Hinkie days to how they were just absolutely wasted. This was supposed to be set up for five to six years of perpetual growth and development and asset building and star hunting. We have not gotten that. We were sold a a dream, the pieces were in place, and then multiple GMs who have taken over since or president of basketball ops who have taken over since have run it into the ground. This This isn't a team that is worth getting behind. They continue to show you that every year. Daryl Morey, who's you know been widely regarded as one of the best executives in basketball, he decided to run back an old Houston Rockets team. There's been no vision. There's been no creativity. They have an old roster. Bringing back Paul Reed is fine. I have no problem with it. And in fact, it should be a tradable contract in a year. Hopefully you won't have to. You would hope that he's going to play well and that like Nick Nurse is going to hit it off well with him and that Paul Reed's going to take a couple of steps forward. But like, what are we talking about? We're talking about James Harden. Is he back? Is he traded? 
We're talking about Tobias Harris. Is he back? Is he traded? There are no free agents that you could have gone after. You're trying to maybe have roster flexibility for next year. You've now burned out another year of Joel Embiid's prime, not pairing him with anybody of value who can actually step up to that level and give you a three- to four-year window. Dame Lillard was out there. Dame apparently wants to go to Miami, is going to force his way there, or at least try. Okay, fine. He would have fit the window. Um, Bradley Beal, too expensive. Wouldn't have made sense. Injury prone. Fine. But there are other teams that are making moves. What about Levine? Uh, this, I love Levine. Levine. Do? Okay, so I, if, they, if, I, I if this Daryl has Zach something Levine up his sleeve, would, would Zach Levine get you back in? On the 23 Yeah, for sure. Season. Because that that actually would make sense. It would fit the timeline, it would fit a skill set that they that they they need desperately. So in that scenario, if I remember correctly, it should be Harden would probably get sent to LA. Tobias mm-hmm. Harris would get moved to Chicago. And then you would you would have one of those spots free. Levine comes in. That's fine. Cause I could I could be talked into Maxi, Levine, and Embiid, maybe not being a title contender. But having that max slot open for next offseason, I could be talked into that. That's at least something different. That's at least something that you think you can maybe build around and believe in. But this this isn't it. And I like James Harden. I like him as a player. But I don't I don't like the fit because I don't see this as being another two to three year window where he's going to provide something he's never proven he can provide in his entire career, which is an elite playoff performer. Like that. That's the problem. And it's hard. I think it's hard to sell this fan base on believing in this team again. It's it's an old team. Yeah. I'm I'm annoyed with Daryl. I'm annoyed with him. I mean, he's too online for my liking. Like, you know, he's doing out the mud tweets. He's going after Keith Pompey. All the NBA analysts are carrying the water for him, saying he has something up his sleeve. He's a nice guy. They all hope they get invited to Sloan. And then you just like talk, you talk about it with your friends about like, oh, you know, the season is just like a bunch of like, we're just like crossing our fingers. Like, I hope, man, if Maxi takes that next leap, cross your fingers. Paul um, can, I be honest, can I be honest I, with you? I'm, I'm it, much more interested in the Flyers offseason than the Sixers offseason. That's fine. But going back, yeah. like Maxi, like take that leap. Can Paul Reed play the four? Cross your fingers. Can Nick Nurse, you know? Get more out of these guys than Doc Rivers did. Cross your fingers. Probably can. Um, you know, is Joel Embiid going to have another freak injury going in the playoffs? Cross your fingers he doesn't. Is he going to play just 60 games? Like, is he going to look out of shape? Is he? Is, is he? Yeah, is Harden going to get traded? Are, are they going to have to? Are they going to have to hold his hand through the playoffs again? Like, yeah, I like Joel. Embiid. PJ Tucker going to break know, down. I don't, like, there's just so many. Well, of course, like, he, and like, and that's yeah. It's it's too many. And and you know what, Kyle? Here, here's a good comparison. This is what the Flyers did two years ago. They tried to run it back after the 2020 season where the season got paused. They went to the bubble. They told themselves that they really were the legitimate number one seed in the Eastern Conference, even though people like me said that's insane. They they ran it back. They tried to patch up a couple of things. They tried to make up for the loss of Matt Niskanen. They ran it back with a, a, a team that had some aging players on it. They didn't go and, and try to make that creative move to raise their ceiling, and it, it blew up in their face. Now, I don't think the Sixers are going to fall to being like a bubble playoff team or fall to like 12th in the conference, right? I mean, it would take an Embiid injury for that to happen, but it's just they're, they're not a believable contender. They're just not, and Maury hasn't shown anything that even remotely makes you think that it's possible. 
because so much of it has been rehashing and rebuilding an old Rockets team that couldn't win it when they were all in their prime. You know, they're not going to do it now. And by the way, you trade all these assets. I think this comes back to the original Harden trade from Brooklyn. They traded assets. James Harden wanted out. He and Daryl Morey are buddies, right? That was the whole thing. Harden was a free agent at the end of the year. That year, instead of going for Harden and trading multiple assets to Brooklyn, they could have waited until the offseason, tried to make a move to free up the space for Harden, and then just sign Harden, not have to give up any of the draft capital. And instead, they cleared the cupboards. That's another part of this. You know, there are GMs who do this kind of thing in every sport, but when, when you leave the cupboards bare, you damn sure better hit on multiple signings or trades to make up for it. And they haven't. They just haven't. And they, they do not look like they are going to be a team that can contend for the title unless they make a move. Levine, I'm totally here for. I don't think it's going to happen. Russ Joy, the white Marcus Hayes says Ford. Wow, thanks. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Ford. I don't know how to feel about that. All vax in the ass, Marcus Hayes. I'm going to go, oh, go cry I love corner. it. I love it. I do. I do. Um, I do hate people keep bringing up game six. You know, they're one, they're one away. They're I one am. away. They're one, they're two quarters away, two quarters away from making it to the next, next round. And it's just like, I don't know. I, I don't think I can run it back with that same team that just tore my heart out. I mean, me and Craig were down there outside of Xfinity live waiting to interview people watching this game. Like, Oh my God, they're like up five. They're going to win it. And then they just, they shoot whatever they shot. I think they shot like what? 5% from three in the fourth quarter or whatever it was. And it was just, it was just heartbreaking. Just heartbreaking. Walking back to that car. Hey, by the way, and pull up, pull up the one that Brett Schiller just uh, dropped in here about clearing the cupboards to get rid of Horford and Richardson. You know what happens? I don't know if anybody notices. Richardson sucks. Okay. Uh, there's no, he has no basketball IQ. But I don't know if anybody watched the playoffs. Al Horford had moments of showing he can be a competent player. The regular season, Al Horford was very good. He struggled from deep in the playoffs. That is undoubted. It's, it's unquestionable, right? But a coach that can figure out how to use Al Horford, you don't have to clear out that space and get rid of Al Horford. That, Daryl Morey decided that he was going to continue to go back to the well with Doc Rivers, which was a horrific idea last year. Absolutely horrific. They ran it back. It's just part of the problem. I hope Nick Nurse can do something. I really do. I just don't know. Like, Kyle, when you look at it, or Kevin, when you look at it, what players does this team have right now that are young, that have, let's say, a three- to five-year window on this Sixers team, that you look and you say, Nick Nurse is supposed to be an exceptional development coach and getting the most out of his players, who are three guys on the roster right now that you say, three to five years from now, these guys should be able to take a leap. Maybe not a Pascal Siakam leap, but a leap. Who are they? Maxi. Right, they don't because they're not. They, but they weren't on that timeline. I mean, they were on the timeline of like, let's surround Joel Embiid with veterans and go top heavy and see if we can win a title and whatever with all the young guys. They didn't have the time or the energy to develop anybody outside of Maxi. So, yeah, I mean, but that's that's you know, it's just different differing timelines. Some people want to be on this timeline. Other people want to be on another one. I get it. I, I just keep I I I just keep trying to ask myself the same question. I think I brought this up the last four shows we've done in a row. Does Nick Nurse, does replacing Doc Rivers with Nick Nurse 
and then running it back, make enough of a difference to get these guys into the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't think that they had any – I don't think that Boston won that series because they had, like, overwhelmingly more talent than the Sixers. I just think they had more dogs, more guys who made clutch shots when it mattered and played well when in the quarters that mattered, you know? So, I don't know. I don't think you can – I don't think Nick Nurse comes in and turns these guys into dogs, but, you know, maybe – Maybe something tactically on Cordexes and those kinds of shit. You can just pull that extra 10% out of these dudes and get them over the hump. Because I don't know what else they're going to do. I mean, I just keep talking myself into the idea of running it back being like the inevitability. So. <laughs> Michael Room part of the they're running which, it back. Which speaks to a lack of creativity. Yeah. You know? All right. Well. Good show, gentlemen. It was that's a good a show, and then damn, just so that's sad. A sad at the that's end. A sad. Can we can we bring a little bit of positivity here, guys? Yeah, yeah a go positivity. Ahead. A little bit of positivity. Your team, your town, your Philadelphia Flyers. Mishkov Mania, running wild. Shop that's uh, 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 Did, cost did you guys see? Did you guys see? I want a Venmo fifteen dollars. You're coming on my. You're coming on our broadcast advertising uh-huh. for free. I want fifteen dollars yeah. on my Venmo. Did, um, by the did time you guys see over. the thing that that was going around the clip that uh, Spit and Chicklets put out about yeah. Mishkov? And that was uh, Biz. Biz was talking about how um, Mishkov, the reason that six teams passed on him was because he kicked a teammate and he called the coach an asshole. And like that lit up Twitter, right? That lit up hockey Twitter. That like teammate, he's horrible. He's so fucking terrible in, in Russia, signed him to a three year contract. Yeah, if he's Awful. so terrible, then let him out of his contract and he can come, come and join the Flyers right now. You know, it's like, you know, I think it's anti Russian bias. It's it's a combination of that, and, and they genuinely do not like Philadelphia or the Flyers, and so like they they use. Uh, Why? I don't like saying that, like, back in like nineteen seventy. I, I don't like saying that there's like a big you know conspiracy, and that you know there's certain media outlets really hate certain cities, but like it feels like they they have an anti Philadelphia bias, and and whatever it's stupid. The Montreal you fans. You talking about? You talking about Russia? No, I'm talking about like what Chicklets did. Like what what um, Chicklets did by like by going after Mishkov, like by saying he's a bad teammate, and that's why six teams pass on him. That's not why. Oh, the you, reason that six teams Chicklets has an anti Flyers sentiment to him. Yeah, it's pretty clear. Oh, you got to start that rivalry, and, and the, Russ. But like, no, I don't want to start a rivalry. But the thing oh. is, the reason that the reason <laughs> six teams didn't take Mishkov is because Mishkov ghosted teams. It was well documented leading up to the draft and even coming out of the draft that there were multiple teams that he just flat out would not interview with. So including Arizona who picked ahead of the flyers. So, I mean, there's, I there's that. Do we have any I inside think, like, information on the, uh, the secret uh, meeting in Voorhees? Um, yes and no. So the, me, the flyers had multiple. Well, okay. So the flyers had multiple meetings with, with uh, Mishkov leading up to the draft. And what happened was the week, I think it was the week before, or, or two weeks before the draft, out of nowhere, the Flyers announced that Skate Zone in Voorhees was closed to everyone. Everyone out, right? Mishkov comes in. He sees some teammates or future teammates working out in the, in the gym and, like, you know, doing, doing their thing. And kudos to those guys, by the way, if they saw him and said nothing because it did not leak. Like, it, it did not come out. Even on our end, you know, trying to, like, effort some information – there were no there were no murmurs that Mishkov was in was in town. There were none. Like even even with with Anton Bundy, like we all just kind of looked at each other and we're like, all right, cool. Like that that's neat, and it's pretty unheard of in this current culture and and social media age that they got this prospect in, shut down the whole facility. Nobody knew he was there. Um, yeah. 
but it, it is cool. And it's something that we're going to talk about probably on this week's show um, or next week's show. We might talk to somebody who's at one of those meetings. But um, there's there's something to be said for having a guy like Jonesy in that president's role. Because when there's a language barrier, one thing that you can rely on are nonverbal cues and you can rely on that affect. So if you've got a language barrier, but the person who's talking to you is agreeable, is friendly, and gives kind of that warm feeling, right? It's going to make you feel at home. And one thing that has come out since is that Jonesy was really big in kind of, I think, connecting with Mishkov and his mom. You have to remember, Mishkov's dad passed away, some say, mm-hmm. by questionable means, the, the circumstances surrounding the death. So he was here with his mom. He's got a contract to play in Russia, but he was over here and he was bought into the idea of playing for the Flyers. Ghosted at least one other team that was, you know, picking ahead of them because he wanted to play here. It's pretty cool. It's like you look at it and if you're looking for something to get excited about, whether it's in three years, two years, next year, whatever, when he comes over, he's got a fire to him. And I saw Alex Appleyard, who contributes to the athletics sometimes, he, he put out one of the translated quotes from one of uh, Mishkov's teammates in Russia. But it was about how he's a hell of a player and that initially he didn't know how to express himself properly in the locker room, like when they would lose. And it probably rubs some veteran teammates the wrong way. But I'm sorry. Isn't that the kind of player you want to build around? Sounds like is a dog. It, a, yeah, fiery guy with the dog in him. I don't know the Russian oh, word for dog, but, you know, dog. Oh, good to see Keith Jones' ties to communism finally paying off. Can I just make Philly a Philly fan does say. No, no, Philly fan says Skate Zone closing was unrelated to the Mishkov That's visit. That's was not it true. a deep cleaning? No, but they that's not correct. That's not correct. The skate okay. zone closing. No. What is it? Sabaka? Sabaka. Sabaka. Season nah. two of The Wire. Katoeta. Sabaka. Uh, I think uh, Kev says, has something. This is just what pisses me off about going back to the <laughs> Debo thing real quick. These 49ers fans, oh, it's Debo. under. We talk about the Cowboys fans being these national cockroach like douchebags or whatever. There's a ton of Niners fans that are like that too. There's a dude who replies to the Debo Samuel story on Twitter, says we're soft as shit, blah, 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 something like that. His his profile has ring the bell for the Phillies, dupe for the union, fueled by Philly for the Flyers. So he's got Flyers, Union, Phillies, and 49ers in his profile. Which person's this? What's the handle again, Where Kev? Where the fuck do these people come from? Like I, I like, he's gotta be 40. He's got to be. Is this on Twitter or on Facebook? It's on Twitter. It's a reply to the. What's the person's handle? I want to look. IV Ward Thinking. Forward Thinking. Yes, I get it. IV W R A R D Thinking. Forward Thinking. But like, how do you how do you end up? How are you a Phillies fan, a Flyers fan, like a Union and a Sixers fan, and then you're like a 49ers fan? Oh, I have another 49ers fan who likes to curse at me and tell me what an idiot I am and how I'm an asshole, but he follows me on Twitter. Still does. I just I think it's an old person who doesn't add to unfollow. That kind of makes that your whole our weak and soft. It's just fuck week 13. I want to see y'all in the playoffs when it matters. We did see you in the playoffs, and Hassan (laughs) Reddick took both of your dudes out of the game. He opened a can of whoop ass. He stomped a mud hole. What? I don't know. The Niners fans. I wonder who rooted for the NBA. 
they got as many national cockroaches as the Cowboys fans. Your Steelers do too. Underrated. Joe Montana, like people back in the day, like they were the same as the Cowboys. They were good in there on national TV. So you find a bunch of douchebag Niners fans all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they all have to go back and watch their Super Bowl on VHS. That's that's all you need to know. Yep. We can watch ours on YouTube. Um, Anything else you got today? Jalen Hurts, number one franchise quarterback, according to uh, Joe Giglio, after one year. Uh, I think that's the f- official start to uh, spring train or training camp. So thanks Joe, for season. that one. Yeah. So uh, we have that to look forward to. Um, Elliot's right. Super Bowl is coming up. You know, it's almost time, almost time to log, uh, you know, training camp throws or whatever. You got to get ESP yeah. to come on the show and talk to us about that. Yeah, maybe we'll do a lot. We should, we should get someone to do a live hit. From training camp, but they won't do it. None of the beats would do it because it's just, you know, it's, it's God forbid, you know, God forbid they miss one throw, you yeah. know, can't tweet about, can't tweet about uh Tyree Jackson catching one, one handed. He's just going to breathe breakout year. Yeah. Fourth year. Yeah. Hey guys, before so. we go, can I ask a question? No, you can ask anything. Was this the best show ever? <laughs> <laughs>